25 minutes after 7pm, joined on the line to take a look at the latest out in company news by Chief Investment Officer and founder at Markwe Fund Managers, and that is Markwe Masilela. Lochan, Lochan, Masilela, Luchame Guche. Mark, I want us to start out in the bond auctions uh, over the last three months or so. It seems, uh, notwithstanding all of the significant depreciation of the South African currency, that uh, yeah, many local investors have been quite buoyant on our sovereign bonds. Uh, yeah, and I guess our tenure is still very, very much higher above its long-term rates, around 9 or 10% or so. Uh, but uh, yeah, what, what do you make of this? And uh, I guess uh, even this last week or so, um, uh, bond auction oversubscribed. You know, uh, and yes, we are right as much as foreigners might be leaving. But as you said, you know, I mean, our uh, if someone offers you an 11% yield, that's on the 10-year, and that far exceeds the 6%, on offer from cash or even the 7% on offer from money market mm. instruments. And then definitely we know the invest relationship, you know, between bond prices and yields. Yeah. And if bond yields turn during the year, then it's quite likely that the very same bonds could deliver another 15 to 20% return. And yes, other guys might be dumping our bonds and in this instance foreigners because there have been net sellers, you know, so far in February, the guys have sold almost 31 billion. But I think that the pitch is the market. There's always a buyer and a seller. And for you to be a buyer or seller, it means you've got a different perspective. And I think foreigners, it's not a question of that you are a giant country because all those things have been factored in. Hence, they've been buying at some point. I think they're more worried about the overall risk of the country. Look what the two rating agencies said, flagging this whole issue about low Chile, that yes, other economies in US, Europe, they might have a marked recession, but back home here, we expect something much heavier, all because of low Chile. My point is, when you start buying things in a different currency, then you also have to factor in the currency risk. You also have to factor in the whole issue about the country risk. And the guys mm. might be saying, has been more riskier, and hey, what is happening in the U.S., what is happening in Euro, the guys, as it is, it seems they'll continue to increase uh, interest rates. And if you look what happened now lately, especially last week, people get more confirmation that the good U.S. job numbers that they received, the high inflation that is still at elevated levels in the U.S., all these comments coming from the Fed officials, all those things are pointing to the fact that interest rates will continue to go up or they'll stay at elevated levels for much longer. The European Central Bank is not even giving a hint that they might start pausing. So interest rates going up, that also helps the yields to go up. Yeah, and uh, I guess uh, one certainly hopes that uh, uh, what we start to see here will... um, you know, even some of the risk events, the mentioning uh, some of the market participants there, the upcoming budget speech, which is uh, happening next week. So uh, only time will tell uh, how that one unfolds. But uh, let's shift our attention to Stats SA, which uh, today released one of their prints, Consumer Price Index for the month of uh, January 2023. And uh, yeah, annual consumer price inflation at 6.9%, down from 7.2% in December. Uh, largely driven by food and non-alcoholic beverages, uh, housing utilities, but also food alongside transport, registering double-digit year-on-year growth. And I think we are seeing that trend. You know, we, we got a print on Tuesday from the U.S. 
mm. that there's a bit more to put expectations, but it's slowing down. We got the print again today from the UK. You know, still at elevated level 10.1, but it's slowing down. So all I'm saying is, so far, indications are inflation are slowing down, but still at elevated levels. Even if you look at your core inflation, whether it is the one that features energy or food stuff like that, ours it just remained unchanged at 4.9. But you look at other countries as well, that that core inflation is still at kind of mm-hmm. uncomfortable levels. And they're surprising or one something, I think, with our number, as much as it was a better number, 6.9. You know, yes, we know the target is anything between 3 and 6%. And more importantly, the guys are looking into inflation expectations, you know. They want that to be a cut around 4.5%. So we are still far away from that. But this whole thing about food prices and mainly stable food prices going up, I think that's very worrisome. Because this is the country where more than 50% of their people spend more than 50% of their income on food. So we've got high electricity prices, we've mm. got high interest rates, and on top of that, you've got high food prices. That doesn't put well. Then I guess the other thing, Marco, that uh, one would be interested in, I mean, you know, when the Monetary Policy Committee makes its decisions on interest rates, uh, which have a bearing, of course, on many credit active consumers, when they do make that decision, it's not like they're looking at past numbers like we are doing now. I mean, they are looking at, as you say, where expectations will be anchored uh, as to where inflation is going to be. And I'm quite interested, I guess, um, when, when I look at this and I look at what's happening with the flooding, I look at what's happening, you know, in commodity prices, fuel, fertilizer, and many other things, it seems highly unlikely that food and non-alcoholic beverages or the growth in prices of those things is going to cool down anytime soon. Where are you yes. seeing some of these expectations insofar as food inflation and the bigger basket of inflation being anchored in the next 18 months or so? Unfortunately, they'll continue to be anchored at elevated levels and for all different reasons. You know, you've got, we've got the weather, whether it's drought or whether it's flood, which could impact. We've got, as you said, the weaker, uh, uh, what do you call it, weaker rent, all, and we know that fertilizers, chemicals, they have been priced in US dollars, so we are importing inflation ourselves. So look at transportation in the form of fuel. We know we are a net importer when it comes to the sourcing of oil, and we know it's been priced in US dollars. So now, this weaker currency plays into this whole thing, and unfortunately, weak as weak, you know, it's priced in dollars. So even if weak prices can stabilize, you know, around the world, for the fact that the currency is weakening, then it becomes expensive for us. So my point is we will continue to see this elevated food prices and it's going to get to a point where consumers will start raising their hands and say, I think enough is enough. Can we get some form of help? And as well, it's also putting pressure on you as guys who are running your own company because employees are asking for inflation-related wage increases. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, only time will tell, but it doesn't seem things are going to look good for consumers in the medium term uh, if uh, some of these numbers are anything to go by, be it rent, be it transport, be it food, and uh, many other cost drivers for poorer households. In April, April, I think. (laughs) I stand to be corrected. I think in April, yeah, yeah. That's another one. Yeah, yeah, but that one you'll see coming up strongly in the administered prices. Property rates are also up in the city of Joburg. You're also going to see the water coming as well. So uh, that's, 
That's why I'm saying I don't think things are going to be looking good in the next 18 months, Mark, for South African consumers. Talking about that, fruit and vegetable prices are going to be under the spotlight from the competition authorities. Uh, They're going to be probing the conduct of uh, all market participants across the value chain. What do you make of this one? I think it's a wise move. You know, for the fact that the guys have stated that of the 1,254 excessive pricing investigations through COVID, nearly 57% thereof were related to basic food and fresh produce. That itself is a red flag. And yes, this one is about concentration. That here you are. You've got guys almost, you know, who are making up just around 6.5% of all farms. The guys account for almost 67% of total income. And this concentration thing continues to be a big issue. Here you are, you guys, the 1%. You own almost 80% of the wealth here. So that itself stifles you and trend. And we know that new entrants in most industries continue to be black uh, individuals. In this case, black farmers are struggling. Hence, we've seen most of them. I think they're seeing almost a 1% in case the Tenin and Limpopo. Mm. They've seen the price dropping out because it becomes expensive. Prices is an issue. They cannot even absorb the cost of farming. As we said, we just mentioned how things are going up. Diesel is going up, and we know it's one of those things, input costs, when it comes to agriculture. So I think it's worth a while for the guys to investigate. I only wish, if there was a way, or people should think of a way of stop being reactive, you know, because here you are, take that thing to understand, they're out of business, and say you find that, you know what, if there were measures which were not right, what do you do? You just put a penalty on it, but you've got almost 31% of your farmers who are out of business. Mm. So if you can have a mechanism, you know, of not being reactive to say and spot things, and I, I think the same thing that you said to the Reserve Bank, that stop being backward looking, can at least we have some way of detecting things before it gets worse. And we know what yeah. they do. They pay a fine. They've got, they've got a budget for that. But you see, I think I think you're correct, Mark. With that, um, you know, part of what we've seen. I mean, if you look at the data that is coming out of the Comcom, saying the number of farms have declined from fifty-eight thousand in ninety-three to around forty thousand in twenty seventeen, and a lot of that type of consolidation has been the outcome of bigger firms buying up smaller guys. So if you think about how corporatized, you know, a milling, processing, and even primary agriculture on a commercial scale is very. You know, it's not just, we often think of primary farming as a family type thing, right? Uh, it's, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Masilela next to Fantonda, it's their families, they are farming the land. But actually in many parts of the main producing parts of the country, Limpopo, Pumalanga, KZN, Eastern Cape and the Western Cape, um, a lot of that type of farming has since been undertaken by large corporates. Some are vertically yeah. integrated, some... You know, it's a corporate buying from another corporate. It's a processor buying from a farmer. Um, and, and in a way, I think, you know, it's that kind of thing. So, so if you're forward-looking, uh, um, Mark, what do you look at? I mean, do you wait for the big guys to gobble up the small guys and then intervene? Or is there a way, you know, to try and, uh, I guess, potentially put some limitations to that kind of activity? When it comes to, on the other side, where you have companies, or you've got farmers, they usually have lobby groups to try mm. to lobby influence policy, right? Sure. You as 
you as a minister regulator that are assigned in this instance government, you should also have a department which is focusing on the day-to-day of what is happening in that particular industry and influence it accordingly. Because you do the opposite of what the lobby group is doing. Because the lobby group, they sit there, they're following the trends internationally and whatever. They direct policy and try to influence it their way. So you as well, you should be on the other side in the position to follow the trends in a specific industry, what is happening before it gets out of control. We're not going to save everything 110%. But my point is, instead of having 1% of the farmers grouping out, probably you'll have a 9 10% kind of a thing. There's nothing like 100%. I think it's only Rama, which is 10%. But other things, you just have to have that margin that, listen, you know what, I tried. But at least you think of having 100 guys getting out of business. Here we are, we're sitting with seven. Because I want you to You need to know what is happening in your industry. And, and you're a regulator. You're a specialist in that sector. <laughs> <laughs> Marco, I don't regulate. <laughs> I don't regulate these inquiries. <laughs> uh, or this kind of investigation. Why, why, why are you taking a pod shot at me now? Huh? No, <laughs> no, Marco. No. <laughs> no, but I think you're right, Marco, because... You know, if we look at this story in the context of something else that we've been looking at, which is the inflation print that came out from Stats SA, um, we know in certain parts of, you know, food and vegetable production that the market structures incentivize pass-through of any cost to the consumer. You mentioned the diesel, you mentioned the fertilizer, you mentioned, you know, uh, add to that now generators and all manner of things associated with load shedding. Add to that the losses that are going to come because of the floods. We have a state of disaster for that. All of those things are going to be passed on to us. You know, there's no likelihood that those firms are going to shoulder that or take a shave on their markup or on their profits. No. And at the end of the day, there is that doing that they have to make sure that as shareholders, they continue to maximize their savings. And we can't blame them for that. Then do this to make money. And I think we need to be clear about it. You know, so you can't blame them for that. If they can find a way to pass over those prices to us, increases by all means, they have to. Yeah, Marque. we're gonna need food stock fells soon. Uh, but uh, that's a story <laughs> for another. Day. We re- no, I really think we will very very soon. Let's talk about Life Healthcare Group before I let you go, Marque. Uh Yeah, it seems elective surgeries are back. Oncology doing well. Uh, the dialysis units doing well. And uh, mm. coming back and uh, also seeing their trading profit margins recovering from uh, the difficulties that we saw. Uh, and uh, also battling with uh, load shedding related costs. Uh, they paid yeah. $5 million in the prior year for diesel um, in that first uh, four months of uh, the financial year. And if they compare that uh, to the first four months of the 2022-23 financial year, they paid five times Five times. It was five million in the previous year. Twenty-five million is how much they spent on diesel. Million, yeah. That should tell us, like, how much by way of power outages they would have experienced. And definitely, in starting with this issue about electricity, the guys were lucky that they decided to invest in backup power in, in the previous years. So as a result, they've seen minimal operational disruptions as a result of power cuts. But mm. you are right there's a significant impact. And it's not nice to always say that levels of admissions are up 14%. They can't be admitted. But it is what it is. They've seen their admission levels up 14%. Sure. 
and the overall paid patient days up 19% and that itself resulting in overall occupancy. You need to find a different term, you know. Overall occupancy increasing from 55% to 62%. But you are right. Since COVID has passed, now people are paying to elective surgery and the tariff increase of 6.1% rising up in May 11%. But I think what moved the stock itself is that potential offer for their AMG business. Mm. And it's still at stages, but hey, the guys kept on saying that this is critical when it comes to the overall business, but we've been getting people approaching us, so we think it's worth looking into. I think they appointment, appointed the likes of Goldman Sachs to help them to look into that transaction. Mm. But compare them to the clinic, you know, you know, I, I, I think they might be having more acute hospitals. I think they're sitting at 66, maybe clinic at 47, let's get 51. But mm. the market value is almost uh, more than double because the clinic is sitting at 78 billion yeah, yeah. and then life health care at almost 25, still bigger than net. But even also, Mark, on the operational side, I mean, if I compare the trading profit margins of MediClinic to life, it seems life has a much higher, you know, um, earnings, I guess, before tax margin than than what MediClinic has. So even at the level of operations, um, for every sort of expense they have, um, uh, to what degree that is covered by what uh, revenue they're getting from people coming into the door, it seems that that is happening on a much better rate. But the other thing I wanted to check with you, I mean, tariff increases uh, finalized for 2023, 6.1%, unless you have some form of special agreement or you're part of a network of uh, medical groups that have an agreement with life. Um, what do you make of that? Um, coming in much lower than where inflation is uh, at a time when I guess they're having to deal with many other costs uh, that uh, have to do with the global environment, but also our own local problems. I think the guys, uh, they've realized that, yes, People have been losing jobs, meaning few people can afford medical aid or those who don't have medical aid have deep pockets to come to private hospitals. So they have to be very cautious when it comes to the increases because they've seen it during COVID that the people can be fair, you know, this uh, elective status if they have to. So I think that was an eye-opener to them as well. But listen, it's no longer... That defensive sector of the business that we thought it is because COVID showed them flames. Yeah. So, and they have been very reasonable. 6.1, I think, is not too bad for those who can afford it, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Makwe, we leave it here for tonight. Always a pleasure catching up with you, bro. Danko. Hey, Dara. That there was a Chief Investment Officer and Founder out at Makwe Fund Managers, Makwe Masilela, giving us the latest out in the markets.